0: Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu
1: slash podcast.
0: My number one concern is obviously the safety of the public. I am a nurse for a reason. I became a nurse to help people um, when they're in need and when they're sick. It's disheartening to even see, like, QuickDrip is offering their employees like all these, like, incentives and crisis day. And I work in a hospital as a nurse and we're not getting any of that.
1: The healthcare workers on the front lines of COVID-19 are not supposed to talk to the media, but they want you to know what's really happening. Nurses in Wisconsin say their limited access to paid leave is putting you in danger. From the Fox 6 studios, this is Open Record. I'm Brian Poulson here with my colleague, Amanda St. Hilaire. Good morning, Amanda. Hi, Brian. Happy Friday. Happy Friday, indeed. We are bringing you new episodes of Open Record each day, Monday through Friday, to make it easier to sort through this bombardment of coronavirus news that just keeps on coming.
0: It does, and we are recording on Friday morning, April 10th, 2020. Today, we're talking about healthcare workers who say they can't keep us safe if no one's keeping them safe during this pandemic. You might have heard our episode a few weeks ago when we recorded interviews with nurses about their experiences fighting COVID-19. After that, more healthcare workers got in touch with us. Even though they work at different health systems, they all
1: had similar concerns. So these are people who are not supposed to be talking to reporters. And Amanda, that's why you disguise their voices. What prompted them to take that risk and talk to you about what's going on?
0: They said they wanted people to hear about what they were experiencing because they thought there was this impression out there that these nurses are being well taken care of, that healthcare professionals have a lot of benefits and are doing well during this time, even though they are overworked during the pandemic. So there were two main issues that popped up. We're going to take them one at a time. Healthcare workers at Advocate Aurora, Freightert, Freightert South, and Ascension said they would get paid leave in some form if they were exposed to a confirmed COVID-19 case on the job. But with the way this disease works and with the limited access to testing, you don't always know if or where or when you were exposed. That means many healthcare workers who have COVID-19 symptoms are required to stay home, but they're not getting paid for it. Well, if I call in and tell you I have a sore throat or a cough, I get quarantined for 14 days without pay. So there are many people that are like the sole breadwinners of their family. So do you really think that they're going to tell the truth and say, ah, oh, yeah, I'm not feeling very well? No, because they're worried about not working for another 14 days and getting no pay. And not everybody has a ton of vacation time or PTO time to use.
1: Because you're worried that it's going to spread. Oh my gosh, absolutely. It will spread. It will spread. A hundred percent because
0: we're not being tested and we're not being compensated if we get infected. So who wants to go up there and be like, oh, I feel I have like, shortness of breath and I woke up today with a fever and it's kind of hard for me to breathe when I know I'm gonna be sent home without pain. People are gonna come to work and it's gonna spread. So, of course, they're worried about how they're going to pay their bills. But as you just heard, they're also worried these policies give healthcare workers incentive to hide potential COVID-19 symptoms so they can keep coming to work and keep getting paid. And if symptomatic people are not staying home, that's when the virus can spread.
1: You know, what really stood out to me about that is just that very idea of disincentivizing transparency among the people who are right there on the front lines. If you have to choose between potentially going home without pay and saying, hey, I'm not feeling great. You know, that that, that puts you in a tough spot in terms of, of making that choice. You looked at different health policies or health systems policies, though. How did each of them work?
0: They all work differently, and I do have to say the policies that we have, they came from employees who gave them to us. So what we did was we reached out to each health system to say, hey, is this your most recent version? Is there another document you have that would give this context? None of the health systems would go on the record and provide us with their actual policies, but we had some that on background confirmed, yeah, this is what we have so far. We'll start with Advocate Aurora. The policy they have dated March 30th, 2020 says employees get quarantine pay if they're exposed to a confirmed COVID 19 case at work. Personal exposure, as they put it, requires the use of PTO, and employees are permitted to borrow against future PTO or personal time off. If you don't have enough PTO, that's when you go unpaid.
1: So, bottom line, you've got to use up your vacation, and once that's gone, then you're 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 home without pay.
0: Correct. Now that was their policy dated March 30th, 2020. These policies have been changing on a biweekly, weekly, sometimes daily basis depending on what it is. So I don't know that as of April 10th that that is still the policy, but at the time that's what we were working with and that was the correct policy. The issue is a lot of nurses, medical assistants, doctors tell us a lot of them don't have as much PTO as you'd think. So there are a lot of cases, and some of them don't have PTO at all, depending on what their position is and where they're working. So that means in a lot of cases, that time off is going to be unpaid. Frederick South, which includes Frederick Kenosha Hospital and Frederick Pleasant Prairie Hospital, has a policy saying employees who test positive for COVID-19 due to workplace exposure have to fill out a workers' compensation claim. And then if you test positive for COVID-19 from personal exposure and you're not eligible for benefits, you have to be unpaid for that time. So we have different systems saying different things, but the key theme that I saw is that if you're exposed to it on your own time, then you're not going to get paid if you're exposed to it at work then we'll cover you. The issue is that you don't know where you were exposed a lot of times because there is that limited access to testing. So that's what has healthcare workers concerned. And that's why more and more of them were reaching out to us.
1: I'm guessing that hospital systems aren't typically uh, big fans of having this kinds of, of inside information out there in the public. You know, it's, First of all, with HIPAA, they're just used to things being around hospitals, being private to begin with. Sort of the default is privacy. This doesn't deal with patients. But nonetheless, these aren't people who were authorized to come and give you these policies. They did it because they want the public to know. So how did these health systems each respond? What did they have to say when you came back and said, we've got this information, we're going to report this. What do you have to say about it?
0: None of them would directly answer our questions about their policies, and we had a lot of questions. We wanted to make sure we were interpreting them correctly, but we also wanted to know where that came from. We did have a few people on background tell us, look, we know this isn't ideal, but we need to make sure that we have enough of a workforce to respond to this disease. So we can't realistically have everyone taking paid time off every time they have a cold because then we won't have enough people to fight COVID-19. So we're trying to balance protecting our employees with protecting the public. And some of the healthcare professionals who spoke with us uh, on the condition of anonymity said they understood that, and they did feel like their employer was trying their best. Some of them weren't so satisfied with that answer because they said, you know, COVID nineteen symptoms, the dry cough, the shortness of breath, the fever—that's different than having the sniffles. So, you know, I we had a real mixed reaction in that sense. Um, I will say that Ascension, um, who has a policy that had a policy that said employees were paid if they had work-related exposure, and then we'll use a combination of PTO or short-term disability for social-related exposure. A few days after we did the story, they came out with a press release that said, you know what, we're going to implement more pay protections for our workers. We're going to have more paid time off when it comes to this issue because we want to make sure they're staying safe. So they did make changes in the days following our story. And
1: is that the only hospital system that you're aware of that made changes after your story, or were there others?
0: That's the only hospital that announced changes. Advocate Aurora has continuously updated its policy, and we've noticed small changes here and there. So, for example... Uh, We noticed in one update to their policy, that's when they added, okay, you can borrow against future PTO time if you don't have enough PTO now. That was a difference. So we've definitely noticed modifications. And what tends to happen with healthcare systems is they see, oh, this place is doing that, and they know they need to stay competitive in order to keep people employed there. So that's when you see some of the other ones start to alter what they're doing. But Ascension was the only one who came out and announced, we're rolling out these enhanced pay protections. Uh, Advocate Aurora did enhance their PTO. So they said, hey, we're going to make sure that you have more access to PTO. But they still kept it so that you need to use PTO, depending on the kind of exposure they've
1: determined you've had. So you mentioned there were two main issues that came up when healthcare workers contacted you, That was one. What's the second big one?
0: So to understand that second issue, you need to know that we've spent the last several weeks hearing about how we need all hands on deck to fight COVID-19, especially when it comes to healthcare workers. Several governors, including Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers, have loosened licensing restrictions to make it easier for retired nurses, student nurses and out of state nurses to jump in and fill that need. But that need was news to existing Wisconsin nurses who have been sent home without pay. I was very upset and I couldn't believe it that in the times of a national pandemic, when there are so many nurses needed on deck right now that I'm going to be sitting at home. We are all begging for hours. We want to protect the public from this virus, and they're just simply not letting us. We recorded interviews with three nurses from Freighter South, and like I said before, that includes Kenosha and Pleasant Prairie Hospitals. Those nurses work in departments that aren't busy right now because they've dealt mostly with elective procedures, and because of COVID-19, many of those procedures have been scaled back. The nurses say they've asked to train to work in departments that are busier now because of COVID-19. But they were told no. First, their hours were cut, and then they were furloughed without pay.
1: So there's the pay issue for them because they're being sent home and they're not getting paid. They're worried about their bills. They also say there's a safety issue here, right?
0: Yes. So part of Frederick South's furlough policy is that if you work somewhere else during your furlough time, they can terminate you. They will interpret that as a resignation. So that means that furloughed nurses can't just go to a different hospital that does need people and say, hey, you know what, I'm going to work for you in the meantime. They're worried that because of that, it means either nurses are going to be sitting at home not helping out in areas that need help, or those nurses will go somewhere, in some cases go out of state. Some talked about going to Illinois to help. And then when it, it does ramp up in this area, and if it does ramp up, in the Freighter South area that there won't be any nurses left to come back because that's been taken as a resignation, that they've gone to go work somewhere else.
1: Now, Freighter South, as you said, it involves Kenosha, Pleasant Prairie. It sounds as though up until this point, they haven't seen quite the outbreak that we've had, in particularly in Milwaukee County, where you're going to have uh, some of the local, um, you know, like Freighter in Wauwatosa, uh, needing these nurses from other units to jump in and help out with COVID 19 care. Is that part of the, is that a factor here because they just haven't had the need for those nurses to jump in and do the COVID work, but yet they're cutting back on elective procedures?
0: That's what the president and CEO Rick Schmidt said when he called us back. Now, we did ask him if we could record the conversation for broadcast, and he said no. So we were only able to record the conversation for note-taking purposes. That's why you're not going to hear his voice throughout this like you usually would in a different episode. But Schmidt says that keeping employees at home during the pandemic, first of all, is safer because you don't want more people in the building than necessary. That's what we talk about when we're talking about eliminating the spread of COVID-19. And he says fewer healthcare professionals working in the building actually cuts down on the use of the limited medical supplies that hospitals are experiencing. But he said that right now, the areas that would need help with COVID-19 are already overstaffed. And then those areas that have elective surgeries, which tend to be the moneymakers for health systems, that's really what helps them make their bottom line is the elective procedures. Those have been scaled back. I asked him, why not train these nurses who are at home now so that if you do need them, they can jump into action more quickly? And he said he's worried that if he does the training now with those employees, that they'll forget their training when it's time to respond. If they train now and then they don't have to come back for three weeks, will they remember everything? I have to say that when I told the nurses I spoke with that response, they did not like that very much. They found that to be... Insulting. It was the word I heard over and over again because they said, We're healthcare professionals. We train all the time on skills we don't necessarily use right away. So they seem to be pretty adamant at least train us now so that we're ready to respond later.
1: I want to make sure I understood one thing you said there because it doesn't sound to me like the math adds up. The CEO at Freighted South is telling you. That other uh, hospital systems or other hospitals, I should say, like say in the Milwaukee County area, are overstaffed and don't need these no, employees.
0: No, 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 no. He's saying the ho- the staff in his current hospitals, in the departments that that they already have enough to for what they Okay, floor nurses, for example, he said they already have many more floor nurses than they actually need working right now
1: at freighter South. At okay Frederick that's south. what i misunderstood and the reason i asked that is because one of the questions i wondered is why not have if 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 freighter in wawatosa for example is taking people from other departments and, and and the state is loosening up licensing restrictions because they need more help why couldn't these nurses in kenosha come work for instance in wawatosa well,
0: and the tricky thing about freighter is even though freighter south And Freighter Milwaukee operate under the same umbrella. They both have the Freighter name. They have different health policies. They have different HR policies. Uh, Rick Schmidt is the CEO of Freighter South specifically, which used to be United. So they do, even though they're under the same umbrella, they do operate differently. And if, that is, if I understand what,
1: correctly, United still owns a majority of Freighter South and Freighter actually owns a smaller percentage. So they've got that name, but it's not necessarily the same operation and ownership.
0: Exactly. And and when all that happened, that's when we saw a lot of health systems in this area merging and coming together. And that creates some of the complex relationships that feeds into this very issue that we're talking about. So he's saying that Freightered South specifically is not super busy right now. So he's got to send nurses home. What he wouldn't answer is, if you're sending nurses home, why not pay them? Advocate Aurora, for example, their policy specifically says, if your department isn't busy, we're going to find somewhere else for you to go. If we have nowhere else for you to go, you're going to get furlough pay because they want to make sure that they have nurses to eventually come back. They want to make sure they have a pool of healthcare professionals to draw from if and when things get busy. So that's why for this specific issue, it's been unique to Freighter South because they very specifically have a policy that says you're not going to get paid if we tell you to go home. And by the way, you can't work anywhere else.
1: It does seem odd. And I'm sure the nurses you spoke to would think something similar to this. It, it seems strange when you have the state loosening up licensing restrictions to try to get more people in to help out during the midst of this crisis, and yet you have trained, degreed professionals who are being sent home without pay at the very same time. I understand there's a difference in ownership groups, there's competition in the hospital industry, but those two things do seem to stand out when you're recruiting on the one hand and loosening regulations and on the other hand sending people who are already in that field home.
0: And that's exactly why they reached out to us. They're sitting at home, unpaid, watching these news conferences where state leaders are saying, we need every single nurse we can get. And let's bring in some people who maybe haven't finished their school or who are older and haven't been doing this for a while. And they're saying, we're here now. We want the work. We're begging you for the work. And we're not getting the work. Now, I should say that these nurses who are on unpaid furlough, they do qualify for unemployment, And as we've talked about on this podcast, the unemployment benefits have recently been enhanced. But as we've also talked about on this podcast, it takes a while to get those benefits, and it's not always easy. So some of them have tried. They haven't been able to get through. Wisconsin has a one-week waiting period where the first week you're not working, you're not eligible to get those benefits. So they're saying they're looking at weeks of financial hardship here. And that's what they're struggling with. They want to help people, and they feel like the best way they can help people is to be in their hospital setting, or if they can't be, at least to be able to go somewhere else where that setting might need more nurses. And at this point, they feel like they're just kind of stuck.
1: Okay, so as we record this on April 10th, the morning of April 10th, where is this issue now?
0: At this point, it sounds like the issue is still the same. The nurses I've talked to still said they were on furlough. When I started working on this story, actually, their hours had been cut. So their pay had been significantly reduced. And right before the story went to air was when a bunch of them found out that they were furloughed without pay. So I reached out to a few more this morning to see if there have been any updates. I'm waiting to hear back. But as of the information I have on Friday morning, we still have a lot of nurses who say they're at home with no pay.
1: And I guess we don't know how long it's going to be before things like elective surgeries are back in the mix and before they're called back in. I'm sure you'll keep watching this, Amanda. Thank you for bringing us all of this and for your hard work on this issue. Now, we're gonna continue to bring you more frequent episodes of Open Record as we cover the COVID-19 pandemic. Yes, we're hearing news that maybe that curve is starting to flatten, but this is a long way from over. If there's a topic you wanna discuss, an issue you think we should investigate, Please send us an email at theinvestigators at foxsixnow.com. That's theinvestigators at foxsixnow.com.
0: Thank you to the people who make this podcast possible producer Pete, Dave Machuda, Suzanne Barthel, and Sarah Smith. Please subscribe to Open Record if you haven't already. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Amanda St. Hilaire, and for Brian Polson, we will be back on Monday.